Hello, friends and listeners, and welcome back to Now That's What I Call Podcast, where we are here with our final episode of my podcast, Valentine, our series on My Bloody Valentine. My name is Will, and I'm here with my friend, Paul. How's it going, Will? Paul, it's going well. How are Good. you? Good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, it is warming up here in uh, the beautiful place where I live. And uh, I have a I have a field report for the podcast. I know. Since we last talked, you were you were live uh, tweeting I was, me. I was, your, <laughs> well, more like I was, before I was and then standing directly next after. to I was standing next to a gentleman who uh, I felt looked exactly like you. Um, he was your uh, height and build had kind of, a, <laughs> um, you know, back when you kind of I don't, I don't really know what your hair is like right now, but kind of the like hanging off. Kind of to the shoulders. You can literally hair. see me in a camera right now. You you know exactly what my hair. No, is. No, I'm looking at uh, the Wikipedia page for uh, oh, for my lady oh. Valentine. Um, and he had I feel like a very Will Pachinski kind of like fleece. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Half, half, half buttoned. Uh, half buttoned. Yeah, uh, exactly. Flannel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, went to see Black Midi. Um, and it was a great show. It was kind of a 31st birthday present to myself, and Happy birthday. I, uh, it was very loud, um, <laughs> and for the first, uh, for the first was it solid, a smaller club, or like, what, what was this? What was it the was me, it's, a, it's the variety in Atlanta, so it's a me kind of medium-sized venue, um, okay. As I was waiting in line for it to open, I saw Greep, the man himself, walking back, and he is very small. In exactly he looks the small kind of like, in the in the videos I've seen of them, he's their like lead singer slash guitarist, and I always thought he looked pretty slight in the videos. So he's he's not a he's not a not a large he is man. A, he is a very small man, hmm. and kind of a um kind of the persona he's cultivated for himself is kind of. American Psycho by way of Wall Street bets, like yeah, a, that makes sense. Like a internet savvy, a weird, um, hyper capitalist little persona that he's cultivated for himself. He reminds me a little bit of a uh, David Bowie's like thin white Duke uh, phase when he was doing like Station to Station, where he was kind of like coked out of his mind and like uh, like had slicked back like hair and was wearing like vests and and like yeah, kind with, of like flirted a... with fascism a little bit. <laughs> It's like he's putting on 80s yuppie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of, and I, and I think a lot of, like, yeah, to me, 80s yuppie, Yeah, I think that's exactly yuppie, what like, Thin Dick was doing. Yeah. Um, but, like, I feel like with Greep, like, he's less established a persona, so we don't know kind of, like, where, on the, irony, where on the irony <laughs> scale he is on it. Um it was a very loud, very fun show for the first kind of hour and a half, two hours. I was down in the pit, was, you know, doing the old school, throwing the elbows, jumping around. And then at one point I just realized, fuck, my body cannot uh, handle this anymore. So <laughs> I retreated and got a drink of water and watched that last like half hour of the show from a safe distance um, was it as like technically uh savvy as their like albums are like was it was it a lot of they did a really good job recreating the sound yeah. of the albums um the, the the brass playing the kind of sax and alto sax was, was really well recreated um yeah no they they, they do a really good job of, of bringing their sounds live That's um cool. you know i'd say that the vocals are where there's the most kind of changing up you know he's definitely not 
the vocals are never really the things, but it's 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 jammy. You know, it's kind of that proggy jammy kind of thing where they're definitely not just playing the songs straightforward. Yeah. You know, this this was a good two and a half hour show and there were like 10 or 11 songs played so like they're they're already long songs get even longer um you know i i really loved um most of it was cavalcade because you know they're still kind of touring to promote cavalcade but Mm -hmm. in in the lead up i was definitely doing a lot of re-listens to cavalcade and my appreciation for that album was growing um john l chandro and slow were probably the three main highlights but there was a Good, like, 20-minute kind of ascending forth. Uh, oh, yeah, that's cool. Back and forth that, that was a lot of fun and a nice kind of interlude. In did, you, uh, did you pick um, out any, like, new stuff that you hadn't, any, any things you hadn't heard before that was? Um, you know, it, it, it definitely it definitely made me want to go back and revisit um, of Schungenheim a little yeah. more. Um, one sec, I'm looking up because I... Are you trying to find the set list for <laughs> the Atlanta show? Yes. Um, no, because I think one of the guys from Black Country New Road was supporting them on keyboard. Um, but it seems like the keyboard player for Black Country New Road is uh, a is a lady. So I'm yes. wrong about that. Someone I did not <laughs> recognize who looked like he could have been in Black Country New Road was on the keyboards. Um but yeah, it was it was. I, I think they played most every song on Cavalcade except for Marlene Dietrich. Um, Close with John L. It was a great show. It's it's, it's fun to see live music. Nice. Um, there, there was a. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the pronunciation of this is. Um, not N N A M D I, Namdi. Um, okay. He was the opening act. He was really interesting. He's he was uh kind of doing like a Bo Burnham auto tune semi comedy thing, and then he would just go into like some very mathy stuff. And I'm like, well, this is a combination I wasn't really prepared for, but uh, he was funny and he could rock, so I enjoyed it. That that seems like a black midi like tagline. Yes, exactly. Kind of exactly. funny, and they can rock. <laughs> I, uh, um, yeah, I did not. They came out to Bombs Over Baghdad, and um, <laughs> you know they were Atlanta. They they said that they were here to eat all of the extra large cheeseburgers, and I was like, well, I don't think Atlanta's particularly that, known, yeah, for known for that burgers. Maybe that's just <laughs> a guess, commentary. So on I guess it's an American thing in general, um, and that this is what they were saying for for all of their kind of American tour stops. That's fun. Um, that's silly, that's silly so yeah, but other than that, this week I've been getting really back into Hopalong. Um, Hopalong is the they're an indie band. Um, Francis Quinlan, she's pretty sure. Sorry, I think they're from Philly. Uh, yeah, they're from Philly. Um, so yeah, you should I go also see think them that Francis Quinlan came out as non-binary. Um, relatively good for them. So I'm, I'm reading from the Wikipedia page. They have they have not <laughs> in, updated their. Uh, her their uh gender preferences um they're an indie rock band you know she's she's got a kind of a stevie nixie janice joplin uh voice you know that i think some people will find grating but that 
I really enjoy, and I, they, they hit some guitar grooves that I really, really like. Oh, yeah, now I'm seeing it on your screen, Personal Life. Um, but, yeah, I uh, they, they got a lot of good albums. Um, I think it's their 2015 record, Painted Shut, is an album I really, really love uh, front to back, so I've been listening to that this week. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know all of that much about their music, but like uh, Francis's voice is like uh, it's not my you know style. Like you said, it's a little more like into the bluesy kind of like um, you know Janis Joplin thing, which is not like my yeah. kind of music. But like just in terms of pure timbre and like vocal delivery, like uh, their voice is absurdly listenable. Like it's like sure one of the best. Like she uh, she can singers. she can do it's, it's the real crazy. kind of grating Janis Joplin-y thing, but she could also do like really pretty as well and like yeah. some of my favorite songs she can really run the gamut of that yeah really really good vocal chops <laughs> like on hop along for sure so yeah what have you been listening to anything fun this week um i've been mostly just digging into my same weird stuff uh yeah. I've been, like getting really into... i did not listen to the youtube link you sent me yet I, oh, I, it's okay. I, I, I will at some point but i'm not yet so uh, one day dear listeners i will do this as a bonus episode but i've been getting really really into what i would call like early industrial harsh noise minimal synth like micro releases just from pile like, just pile those added just pile those adjectives on from you. like the late 70s just and early 80s and I'm, I'm really enjoying them in a way that i never like it's it's kind of interesting because it's making me think about music a little bit differently because it, I've never really been like we've kind of talked about this like I've never really been much of like a rhythmic music listener like a lot of the stuff that I've go to tends towards like very um melody driven um uh, stuff like like and, and stuff that's like a little more rhythmic like um you know like hip-hop or rap or, or things like I've never really kind of gotten that into and in a weird way this is kind of like backdooring me into that stuff where it's like very repetitive like beat based yeah. stuff but it's just like for whatever reason, the the time period, like the early '80s, like sounds of that, like early analog synth stuff, and the kind of like brutality of it, like this electro punk thing to it, is really like doing it for me. So it, I'm surprised that I'm getting into it because it's not music I ever would have thought that I'd be into when it's just like a three minute song of just like you know, like 808s and heartbreaks. Like that album is named after the I think the TS 808 like drum sample machine, and like a lot of this music is that stuff. It's like very. Is this very your backdoor into EDM music? Do you think? That's, that's kind of, yeah. That's kind of what I'm like wondering in, in a weird way. <laughs> it's not like what I would have thought, but it's like a lot of the music has like a very similarity to that kind of like you know chilly like low not it's not lo-fi but like early analog um sort of sparse drum beat sound like drum machine sound, and I'm like really digging it in a way that I never expected. Too. So I'm like, oh, maybe like this will open up doors for me for like other things that I, you know, never really thought I'd get into in, in a weird backwards way. Cool. Well, we'll we'll have to get into some of that at some point. But we'll. We I don't know that we'll end. have to. <laughs> we are coming to the end of a journey today. The end we of are. our second series. The end of our second series. Two full series down. Uh, after a couple more, like 45 minutes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, today we are finishing up. My Bloody Valentine with the the last album that they released, MBV, in 2013. So I want to do like a, a brief context of how we got to 2013 with My Bloody Valentine. Because last Let's we left off... Um, a while before 2013. A while before 2013. So This is, Loveless this is, this is the, the second of two bands who have kind of a big hiatus. This is a, this is a massive hiatus. This was a 22-year hiatus. It's like one of the longest um, between albums that I can... I would guess that I can think of. I mean, I know we did that, that Wikipedia deep dive yeah. on one of our gods. Well, that then you cut from what you said. 
I cut pieces of it. I think there's still yeah. some. I think there was still some of it in there. Either way, there's still um, some of it that you cut a lot of. I cut a lot of it. Well, there was just because there was just a lot of it of us reading a, a lot of me reading time. Wikipedia verbatim. <laughs> um, so in 1991, uh, the band releases Loveless, right? And then they go on a a, a big tour after Loveless, um, and it was uh, loud as fuck, which was what we had talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, it was uh, quite an event. But it, it, it happened, they got back, and they, surprise, surprise, after um, driving everybody at Creation Records crazy for the last three years, they were dropped from Creation Records. No! So, what? I know. I know. What? You wouldn't have thought. For <laughs> so, real? So, yeah. Then? So they were dropped from Creation Records, um, and they signed with Island, um, who is a, uh, I don't know, a label that's been around for a long time. I know them from releasing, like, King Crimson stuff in, like, the 60s and 70s. So they signed with Island for, I think it was, like, a $250,000, like, down payment kind of thing, which they put towards uh, making a studio. Because, as we because they had, time, they had had trouble finding the they had, right they had, one had trouble finding between the nineteen studios that they bounced around in London they had trouble finding one that they liked surprise surprise once Kevin Shields has the money to make his own he still has trouble liking it so the studio is <laughs> that didn't is solve all his problems no it, in fact it created more so the studio was completed in nineteen ninety three but apparently according to him the, the quote was like. Some type of technical thing spent the sent the band into like a spiral meltdown is what he said, which I think just means him. So I, I don't really know right. exactly what that means. Um, so the studio's completed in nineteen ninety three. Standing having a meltdown, being like everyone's melting down here. Everyone's like, melting no, down around me, and I am calm and the voice of reason I, in this case. Um, so the studio's completed in nineteen ninety three. The band is signed with Island Records, and theoretically they're supposed to be working on new material. Um, it was rumored around this point that Kevin Shields is suffering from like writer's block. He can't make anything. He's having problems with the studio. Everything's kind of going weird and wrong. Um, during this time period from 1993 to 1996 was kind of like when they were in this studio. And this was kind of like his like worst years of, of um, you know, sinking into whatever it would be, either depression or inability to produce. Um, right. The only thing they produced during this time was like two covers uh, for um, tribute albums and then like a instrumental song. I didn't really feel like we should didn't really matter about listening to them or not. Um, they're not really very major works in the MBV canon. And also during this time, the various members of the band uh, are departing. So Debbie Googe, or Googe, or however we are saying her name, she like left Googe. the band in 1995, and she was a taxi driver in London for a little bit, which is kind of interesting. Um, well, which is then, the thing that takes a lot of work to become. Like, you can't yeah, just, like, become a taxi driver in London. I don't know. I, she, she, she did it. Whatever it was, she put her mind to it. Um, and then eventually she formed the band Snow Puppy, which had um, members of um, uh, Stereo Lab in it as well. So she went off and did her own thing. Colm, who was the drummer. Is that a foundational uh, album for is, it's, What's is Stereo Lab a big band for you? Um, They were a band that, interestingly, like they're kind of tied to Godspeed in a certain way because like their albums. I was thinking of Spiritualized. I'm sorry. Stereo oh, Lab's no, no, different no. than Spiritualized. Stereo Lab is different than Spiritualized. But their albums from the 90s. What do you like, like better, like, Stereo Lab or Spiritualized? Hmm. Interesting. Probably as an entire. I don't know. They're similar spots to me. I don't like. I don't super love either of them, but they have like okay. one or two albums that I really think are are pretty good. And then the rest of their discography, I'm like, that's interesting, but I don't know that well. I feel like um, everyone likes that one spiritualized album a lot. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. That's a great record. I I, yeah. I think that's a fantastic album. Um, and Stereo Lab has a couple of good ones. Dots and Loops, um, Emperor Tomato Ketchup. They're very like, they're like a weird mix of like, jazz, like lounge jazz '50s stuff with like electronic kraut rock yeah disco stuff it's it's weird it's it's interesting well maybe one day we'll talk about something i doubt it i don't have a particular passion but maybe either way uh that 
person, I forgot, I think it was the, the lady who was the singer in Stereo Lab, she uh, formed Snow Puppy with Debbie. Colm relocated to the U.S., and he uh, was the drummer in the band Hope Sandoval and the Warm Intentions with uh, the Mazzy star singer Hope Sandoval. Um, so they had both left the band. And then during this time, uh, Kevin Shields and Belinda Butcher were still trying to record an album through kind of like... And are they are they still romantically involved with each other? I, I think they were at, at some point, although she leaves the band in 1997, and I think like... And probably, and probably him. And, and him. <laughs> the whole thing kind of fell apart. So... During this time, Kevin was trying to produce an album for Island um, uh, to be released in 1998. Um, Belinda Butcher leaves in 1997. Kevin is like a little cuckoo bananas. Uh, he can't really produce anything. And then ultimately what ends up happening is he delivers some undetermined amount of music to Island in 1999 when he kind of like leaves uh, their recording contract. Uh, there's like a wide variety of speculation as to how much. Some people say he delivered 60 hours to them, which is insane. Yeah. Um, some people say it was like two albums. I think he himself has said it was a, about two albums worth, but he thought most of it was stuff that should be scrapped and that it wasn't really worth um, working on. So that's kind of like the end of the 90s for them. Is After Loveless, they more or less imploded. They went their separate ways, and they weren't able to kind of produce anything substantial outside of a couple covers. It wasn't really much of, of, of anything at all. Then, flash forward to 2007. There's rumors that the band is going to reunite for a 2008 Coachella show. Uh, which ends up being true. Um, and the band reunites in 2007 and 2008. They tour extensively for the like the end of the, the aughts, basically. Um, and Kevin Shields starts working again on material that was like halfway done uh, from the third studio album that he dropped in like 1996 when he was kind of losing uh, his marbles and not able to produce anything. Um, the band kept on touring through the like early teens, basically. And then in 2012, they signed to Domino Records. So... Uh, I don't know who they were signed for in 20, 2007 era. I'm not really sure. And in, in 2012, they're signed to Domino Records. They re-released their earlier catalog of Loveless and Isn't Anything. And then during this time is when they do overdubs with the whole band um, in 2012, basically. And then in February of 2013, this long sort of teased album that was started in 1996, picked back up in 2007, and then finally finished in 2013, is released on their website. So were overdubs for a past album, or were they for like stuff that had already been recorded for MBV? MBV? So the, 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 most of this album, almost all of it, was recorded in 1996. And what happened was okay. Kevin Shields did guitars because at that point he had mostly alienated everybody else from, <laughs> right. so he was from the band. By so, himself so doing like, guitars. So what he was doing was kind of laying the foundational stuff for this song with guitars, which I think you kind of noticed to me. And I think we've, yeah. you've mentioned it that we were talking is that like this is a very um, – guitar forward album in the sense that it's not that their earlier music wasn't but the rest of it felt like guitar serving a band there's places in yeah. this album where it really feels a lot like... of a lot of these songs are extremely built around a guitar yes. riff in a way yes. that previous they are kevin shields not. figuring out a guitar thing and then laying yes. a track to it and then bringing the rest of the people back onto it so most all of the album was recorded in guitar first in like the mid 90s and then that was kind of touched upon again in 2007 and then from what I've gathered in like the 2011-2012 time period was when the bass, um, drums, and different sort of overdubs were done with the rest of the band on the tracks that Kevin had recorded um, in the mid-90s. There was only one song that was completely started from scratch in 2012, and that is the opening track she found now. The rest of the album is pieced together from mostly from the half-abandoned third album that was recorded in 1996, um, and then, you know, with the band's overdubs and stuff, once they were all back together in the early 2010s. So that's where we stand um, at, at this 
kind of point in time. I remember when this album came out. I don't know if right. you, you, you were, were you already a big was this was Loveless already a big album for you at the yes, time? Yes, Loveless had been a big album for me since high school. This album came out in February 2013, and I remember downloading it from the um, were we in college your together? college apartment. I guess this was, this was our last. Yes, this was our. Oh, wait, you were in my college apartment. Yes. Yep. I remember when this came out because I because re- Charlie, who was our, our friend yeah. um, from in college, who also uh, you know went to school with us, he was also a big My Bloody Valentine fan. And I remember both of us getting wind that it was coming out that night, and the album dropped at 11.58, and the website crashed almost instantly. And so I remember being down at your guy's apartment with him, trying, like, desperately to refresh the website so we could give Kevin Shields $15 to, 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 to hear uh, this uh, album that Take he's been my taking money. away since 1996. Um, and I do remember that, that, that night specifically at midnight, the, the midnight release. So it, it holds a placed uh, to me you know some, somewhat just in my memory of being like wow this is like they're finally back and I'm old enough to and, and understand music enough right. to be like interested in this um, and I think in general the album was received um, pretty well um, I, I'd be curious to know what are your kind of bigger picture thoughts uh, on on MBV as as a whole going into what you from what you listen so far I actually like this album I think this might be I I, I liked this yeah, I, I I liked this album. Um, I liked it's it's almost it it's it's different than Hallelujah, but it's almost similar feelings to me of when we listened to Asunder, where I'm like, well, this is a guitar album. When I don't yeah. when like the previous albums have been like more complex than that, but like I like the guitar stuff that this album is doing. A fair amount. Yeah, I, I agree. It's different, but still good. And it definitely feels like the product of somebody who is doing it all yes, on his it, own, more than Loveless it, did. Yeah, it, it, it makes a ton of sense that, like, they got these kind of guitar riffs and then were like, okay, let's build a song around that. As opposed to spending, you know, what, 38 hours trying to get their vocal uh, <laughs> samples correct? I have an update to the vocal thing at the end. It's very funny as well. Okay, um, cool. I'm excited to hear it. Um, yeah, so... See, so I, um, I, I don't know if I had heard that this was more of a drop-off, but I ended up really enjoying it. I think more than I expected to, maybe because, like, maybe it's just, like, versus Loveless or whatever, but I, I expected it to be kind of more of a drop-off than it ended up being. Yeah, and I think the fact that it steers away from Loveless... Like, in my mind, there's three... Yeah. This album it is, is like not. Three, it is not Loveless 2, which not I Loveless think is two. to its credit. I think there are a handful of songs, and I'll play one of them, that I think are Loveless adjacent, where it feels yeah. a little more like floaty up in the air. And then I think there's a chunk of songs kind of in the middle that to me feel like very grounded and guitar forward, which is kind of what we were talking about. And then at the end, it also goes like quite like far into like a drum and bass like jungle thing. There's yeah. A lot of like, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of like repetitive The jungle thing is of, interesting. Like, that was not my favorite stuff. part. The, it's not my favorite chunk, part either. <laughs> the middle chunk is my favorite chunk. Like, I but think yes, there's, the a chunk chunk, song, yeah, there's a chunk of I songs agree. in the middle of this album that just have some nice kind of propulsive driving guitar riffs that just kind of like loop and loop and loop and loop in a way I find really, I don't know, meditative might be the word, but like yeah, engaging. Yeah, and, and um, we'll start with Kevin Shields like specifically talked about that where he said like, I didn't, when I was sitting down to write this, I wasn't trying to write like, song structures um like i was right. in the past like i was just trying to like work out an interesting thing on the guitar and then kind of see where it, it took us and turned into um i'm gonna play a bit of the opening track this is she found now um and this like i said is the only song that was recorded um not not 
live, <laughs> but was recorded uh, new when they were doing studio work in 2012. And to me, this kind of, it's interesting that this was recorded in 2012, because I think that this is one of the songs that harkens most back to Loveless in terms of its, um, its sound and stuff. So let's hear a little bit of um, She Found Now, the first track from M. This is definitely more in the this is definitely more in the loveless outtakes uh, (laughs) section of the album because it has like a feeling it's feeling to me where it's kind of mixing the the kind of like floaty vocal stuff and the floaty guitar stuff which is more what I associate with loveless and it doesn't have the kind of like riff oriented more chunky um, pieces I, I actually really like this song a lot but it is interesting to me that like this is what starts it off when then where the album becomes uh, is, is kind yeah, of I, like that it's definitely more in the Loveless vein it feels to me like the female vocals are a little bit more forward in the mix than in Loveless um, but uh, yeah I dig it I dig it as well but I do think I do think if the album was all that I then this would be I, kind of a weird Loveless 2 yes this would be scenario. like a Loveless 2 yeah. you know um, Secret of the Ooze kind of thing. In which case, it's <laughs> it's not as uh, as compelling. But we're gonna go to the next song, Only Tomorrow, and I think that this this is the most streamed song if you look by Spotify numbers, which I think kind of yeah. makes sense because this one to me like typifies the more grounded riff style um, that we were talking about, Kevin working with. So we're gonna hear a little snippet of Only Tomorrow. had commented during one of the early EPs like oh there was actually a guitar break in this song and that's not something they do and now 30 years later it kind of is something they do it is something they do um it it, it makes sense you know and it the, the the background of him spending more time alone on this definitely makes sense but you know, he's he's good at guitars after all this time. And I he like is. the kind of like, I don't know. It, it's a very kind of like stay a while and listen song of like, it's a six minute song. It's like almost six and a half minutes. Um, it really takes his time to kind of fill out the space. It doesn't even really like bother to elaborate on its kind of basic um, guitar rhythm that much but i enjoy yeah he, like, he it finds good. things and really sticks with them on this album it's a lot of like vertical exploration rather than i think that's like a theme of this whole album where it's like loveless to me is kind of like this idea of like blurring 
a thousand guitars together to the to the extent that then you sort of like stop to see the you stop seeing the individual guitar and you start seeing this wall of noise and this album to me feels very much like highlighting one guitar in a way that's very opposite of yes. levels where it's like where i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of spotlight this one thing it's not going to be as like um you know effects laden or kind of like into the mix like it's a relatively dry just like distorted guitar signal there's not like a ton of echo and reverb and crazy stuff on it it sort of is just like here it is like whoop, here's here's the riff like out in front which, which is i think a an interesting you know place for them to to take and i'm pretty curious if that's something you know, we'll talk in a minute, but yeah, like, you know, that's like, something that's going further. Loveless was kind of like cereal that's been sitting in the milk for a while, and it's all kind of like a nice, pleasant Soggy. sludge that's all kind of mixed <laughs> together. Here, it's like very much like the guitars are still crunchy. You can pick apart all the elements. Yes, the crunch factor here. is is like a lot of like we spent some time on the Loveless episode, be being like, is this a synth? Is this a voice? And this is this is not that experience, even when you just get to the second song. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to skip ahead to sort of like the middle half of the album. Yeah. This is kind of where things get a little, like, start to creep into a kind of dancier territory. This track is called In Another Way. We're going to hear a little snippet of that. <laughs> enjoy that you know it, it feels i really like enjoy we, that that's that's a guitar riff i really enjoy yeah we had talked about before like how um you know the the idea of like that loveless has a lot of like implied and vague melodies and this is just like nope here's the melody <laughs> like, yep. like here, here's the thing exactly like, yeah, we're yeah. just gonna do it a couple times <laughs> it's, it's it's very forward and even kind of like the kind of like i don't know stringy synth going behind it is also very kind of straightforward yeah it feels um, a lot more defined than what their earlier things uh would have sounded like yeah um, and then finally, this album ends in, like, a, a very jungly, like, super yes. beat-oriented kind of way. I'm just going to play a little snippet of the second to last song. Almost, um, it, like, like, they were mixing two things together, and then by the end of it, the mixture is, like, too strong in the other direction yeah. for That's me. true. It starts it starts off one way, it, like, goes to a different thing, and by the end, it's just, a t uh, again, like, it's, it's reached a third plateau of being quite different. Um, this is kind of the back half of Nothing Is, which is, like, a three and a half minute song that I would like not really even call a song. It's just kind of like a jungle, like bass, um, bass drum and bass, like rave up sort of thing. So we'll hear a little bit of that. Is the whole song? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is that it's it, it's it's a it's, it's a it's a different kind of band at that point, and it's so interesting that like this is their last album, so we didn't get to see if that was like. But it almost it, it almost fits for what we've seen of like 
this is a band that's always kind of been morphing around in sound. And when you take away the like, they're going to end up in Loveless, it makes sense that like he's already kind of on, on to something different. Yeah. I also it feels think almost, in a weird way... it, it feels almost like arrested that we're not seeing like what the next step of evolution here is, I guess. In a weird way, I think it goes back to some of the earlier stuff. Like we had said, um, specifically with uh, You Made Me Realize, where they would have yeah. like the sections in their concerts where it's like a 30 minutes of noise stuff. And I, I understand where that's coming from. This feels like the, the next evolution of that, where it's like, and where it has the same intention. It's like, we're going to play this thing that really grooves for us. And like, you're either going to get it, get into it and be kind of transported into the trance of this thing, or you're going to bounce and that's fine with us. And we don't care. Like, and I think like it, it kind of has a similar vibe to me with that. It's like, it's not doing the same. It's not like a harsh wall of noise anymore, but it is like this very repetitive, like, I mean, just super like punish, not punishing, but kind of like pounding repetitive riff. And I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like they still have that kind of like chip on their shoulder of like daring you to be like, listen, you're either going to like learn to dance to this or you're going to fuck off. And like that's just the band that we're going to be, which I think is kind of interesting that they've like preserved that through the variations in their sound I guess, through, the, through the years. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, they they would keep going if we could see like the next the, yes. the next album. If, if that this. could have been a 30 minute uh, uh, song, I think they would have kept kept going on it. Yeah, so that is 2013's MBV. Um, where are you on the number of Bloody Valentines that this... I know you were sort of middling on Isn't Anything and pretty high Probably on Probably like a, a, seven and a, half, a seven and yeah. a half and eight. I liked it. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar area on this. I feel like when I first listened to it, I think I was kind of disappointed because I was like, this isn't Loveless 2. You know, like that... Like that was what I was expecting. Um, but over the years, like, I've grown to, uh, you know, pull pieces of it that I really enjoy and kind of take it. Even if, even if the back half of the album gets a little too uh, beat-oriented for me. But, but maybe one day I'll get there. Um, so I think for me it's similar around an eight. Um, and so that is the kind of where we are today with My Bloody Valentine. According to Kevin Shields, um, this is a repetitive thing that he has said previously. But since... 2013, he said that there will be an EP of all new material released, followed up by a fourth studio album. In 2017, he said he was working on new material. In 2018, he said he was working on two EPs. In 2019, he said they were expected to be released. As of 2020, um, nothing is really happening with that. They did have a collaboration with the clothing uh, brand Supreme, which is kind of funny where Supreme... Like, it is very funny. Post, uh, well, like, from what I know of like, Supreme, that is very funny for, like, for that yeah. to be the kind of cash, the cash in for that. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense to me in, in the sense of like it's kind of like a like a like a '90s throwback kind of thing. And the, I don't know if you can see my screen where I'm sharing here, but like it's a lot of it's like all of their album covers have this very you know um, sort of vague weirdness to them. And I think yeah. it's like Supreme style of just kind of like let's just blow up this graphic to be an entire shirt and then just like and then slap our put, put that and on then and slap then our put, fucking Supreme and then put our logo yeah. on it and charge like a thousand dollars like all I, these I don't know. all I, these extremely <laughs> nondescript but extremely expensive clothes that you're yeah. showing me so it's a very funny i i kind of i kind of dig this the love you want it short sleeve but i mean i'm sure i'll get it for you one, for your birthday they don't make it in what? oh, big oh it's eight thousand dollars and two it's definitely sold out and very expensive now um yeah so that's kind of currently where we are with my bloody valentine they've been saying since 2013 that they are that they are going to put out new music, but it hasn't materialized, uh, and it just sort of keeps 
churning. The most recent thing that they were in the news for, which is very funny to me considering our um, discussions that we've had, is in 2020 they accused Spotify of showing fake lyrics, which the band called completely incorrect and insulting. <laughs> which Showing is... fake lyrics. Yes. So, like, Spotify nowadays, I don't know if you know this or not. Yeah, but no, they, listen... they, they show lyrics. Yeah, they, sh- they scroll lyrics. Apparently, they are not the correct lyrics. And then... So I mean, that Kevin doesn't, Shields... like... That doesn't shock me. Yeah, so he said the lyrics are completely incorrect and insulting. We're not sure where they got them from. Probably one of the most bullshit lyric sites on the internet. And then in this article, there's a funny thing where in, the, in 1990 he said to Enemy that their lyrics were often pretty sensual. It's very yeah, human. No, People yeah, no, we, 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 we got that, buddy. <laughs> People who experience the pleasure of any sexual thing will find something there, I think. Our lyrics are quite explicit occasionally, but it's all real. <laughs> Which is very funny to me. Um, and so what, he also there, there, elaborated. There are a lot of non-sexy people making uh, extremely sexual, ex- extremely very sexual lyrics. lyrics. Also, um, David Conway is now a published science fiction novelist, the original um, uh, singer from My Bloody Valentine, which I found out reading this article. So he said that he was disenfranchised with music and he went to be a writer. And he apparently is a published uh, sci-fi author. Um, Good for him. And, and there's a, there's a funny thing where they said this is how what he used to do with the lyrics for when creation would ask him for lyrics for the sleeves. He would give the titles to a, a woman who worked at Creation Records, and then she would listen to the songs and write down what she thought the lyrics were, and he <laughs> wouldn't tell her if she was right or not, and then that's what became the lyrics, was just what she thought they were. So apparently, according to him, there's not only a Spotify wrong, there's never actually been an accurate documentation yeah. of whatever lyrics he has because he And it seems like Kevin Shields would tell you two different things on two different days yes. about like what the lyrics for any given song <laughs> Or. Are yes. So so, well, a, so for, for you contrary. having already been a big fan, what's what's going through all of their albums been like? Well, I yeah, you know, <clears throat> I think for me, unlike Godspeed, this was a a band that I was so familiar with, and I don't think that any of my opinions really changed um, going through this exercise. I think it was really fun for me to go through especially the early years with you and kind of explore like what the band was and I think that was the thing that if there's one thing for my takeaway from this is that I think coming into the series I was too dismissive of their early things like I kind of hyped them up to you as being like really bad and while I do still yeah. think that they are not good you were very dismissive not... of their early career I think yes, more than you I needed think to be there are yes I think there are better things like specifically for me the geek um, and the This Is Your Bloody Valentine, like kind of the later stuff right before David Conway left the band. I actually think there's like some interesting things in there that, that I kind of had written off um, previous to this. And then my like big takeaway from the entirety of the whole series, which is which was also true before, was that like Loveless is amazing and great, but like secretly the early Belinda Butcher stuff, and especially right before Isn't Anything, the um, the You Made Me Realize and a couple yeah. tracks off Feed Me With Your Kiss, Strawberry and Ecstasy, that stuff is like criminally under-listened for their output. I, I really like Strawberry and Ecstasy. Yeah, I and really that's, do too. That, that's that's think, right on the border, right, of like Kevin Shields doesn't, is, is that like, is that over the border where Kevin will say like, that's my, my Bloody Valentine, or will he say like, that's not my Bloody Valentine? That is the last thing that was released that would, that is not like currently available like from from in terms of like what you can stream on spotify what is officially available and in print um the eps directly before isn't anything 
is where it starts. So you made me realize, feed me with your kiss, and then isn't anything... I feel like strawberry and wine and ecstasy could really just be part of their oeuvre, right? Yeah, like, I, I agree. good music. And I, I think, like, that, that sort of is my, like, feeling is that... And, and I think the cool thing about it is that you could be, like, a pretty big you know, quote unquote, my bloody Valentine fan and like just live in loveless for your whole yeah. time with the band. And it is cool to me that. And only through... know that like what is there for you on Spotify. Yes. And exists. like, there are other things, which is a neat, you know, always thing to kind of find. I think to flip it to your side, the question that was ruminating through my mind, cause I don't really think that there's really much of a point of ranking these albums <laughs> because like, there's a lot of them. They're all over the place. There, well, one, there's a lot of them. And two, they are a band that, like, un- unlike Godspeed, which I think, like, made sense to rank because, like, there are definitive kind of movements within that band where you can be like, oh, here's, like, two or three albums where they were working this sound out. And then, like, oh, here's, like, two or three albums where they were working this sound out. I feel like My Bloody Valentine kind of isn't like that. Like, they change a lot, no. and then they drop one thing, and then they change a lot, and then they drop one thing. And so, like, it's hard to kind of track a trajectory of the band in terms of rankings. I just don't think it's worth it. But the thing I would am interested to know from you is, Having gone through this, is there anything at all from what we've listened to that the next time you think about, oh, I'm going to be listening to My Bloody Valentine, that there's a chance that it could supersede or replace Loveless in your sort of mind of things you would go to to listen to this band? Yeah. um, I, I can see myself putting on MBV. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think I, I don't know if I could see myself putting on isn't anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see putting on, you made me realize, and honestly, I, a lot of what, like kind of the jingle jangle mamas and papa stuff is some of what I'm thinking of, like. That's a sound I could hear, and that like yeah. the, some of the music we've listened to could be a good example of that. Um, not so much the very early stuff, and if it's the later stuff, then like Loveless Signs and a Shoulder, but like kind of like the Strawberry and Ecstasy, more jingle jangle stuff where like they've got the softer female vocals in, but the guitars, and they've got some fuzz guitars, but they've also just got kind of, you know kind of acoustic like strumming or more bright guitars kind of overlaid with the fuzz guitars that's a sound i also really liked and that's a sound i could i could i could think about listening to just because i want to listen to that yeah i i totally agree that's i think that's similar to what i was saying where it's like some of that stuff it's a, it's a bit of a shame that it's under listened because it's it's a pretty good version of something that's very different than what the band would become and i think yes. like unfortunately as a kind of casualty of loveless being such an overwhelming presence in both shoegaze as a genre and in the band that some of those things have been lost um either due to people not seeking them out or due to the band purposefully kind of um choosing to leave them uh un- unissued um in their later years but um, yeah, I think both Paul and I are saying if you if you enjoyed any of this stuff, go back and give sort of a little bit more time to the um, Strawberry and Ecstasy era um, of My Bloody Valentine and maybe the last like couple Sunny Sunday Smile, the last um, EP with uh, David Conway because 
that sort of sweet spot transition point before they found shoegaze, but when they had moved away from kind of the harshness of post-punk rockabilly, there's a cool little little nugget in there that I think deserves to be listened to a little bit more from. From Do you have any kind of further recommendations if, like, people really, really liked, uh, maybe they heard Love Us for the first time and they really dug it? Is there anything else people should go listen to? Hmm, that is an interesting question. I will see if I can put, maybe I'll put a um, Spotify... I, I had a little Spotify playlist I put out yeah. at the end of uh, Godspeed. It might be nice to put out a kind of, like, shoegaze further listening. Um, yeah, the problem for me is that, like, a lot of the other shoegaze stuff from that time, I just, like, don't care for too much. Like, <laughs> so it's it's a little hard for me to go into. I will say the one thing that is, like, universally really liked and I do quite like is Slow Dive, um, that band. They put out a couple things in the um, early 90s, and then they actually had a reunion, um, like, album in, I think, like, 2010s at some point that was, um, I think it was self-titled, Slow Dive. Um, and that that's a pretty cool um, sort of, like, dreamy kind of pop thing. I'll, I'll put, like, a... Um, a bit of a playlist in the um, in the notes of this episode if you're interested in any of the sort of shoegaze adjacent things um, that kind of run through my mind. But I can't I can't really think of that many off the top of my head just because like the other kind of big bands that are associated with them have never been bands that I've like really gravitated towards. <laughs> it's just not really ever been my thing. Also, side note, Kevin Shields did music for the soundtrack to Lost in Translation. <laughs> I love seeing where step. musicians have ended up on, on yeah, soundtrack. That's, that's your next step. After you finish this podcast, go watch Lost in Translation with Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray. Is that a good theater. movie? Um, I, I've actually never seen it. I've heard it is good for like the, the ennui of being an old I, white I, man. <laughs> I hope they don't posit a romance between Scarlett Johansson and... Um, I don't. I think it Bill takes Murray. place like in in Tokyo, where they're like both there, and then they have like some kind of. Like, He's like a washed up actor, right? I feel like yeah, I watched yeah. like the first yeah. half hour of this movie. Yeah, I've not seen. It. I like Sofia Coppola um, from some of her other uh, films. Either way, that was where Kevin Shields popped up during his <laughs> during the MBV hiatus. Maybe that's a good next step for you. But yeah, I think that's closing the chapter on on my bloody Valentine. Um, you know, unless like we said they choose to surprise release something. In the it, next, it would uh, be very cool if like in the next week, really right, cool. uh, a long lost EP is uncovered again. But um, I'm sure if, you know, in the next whatever of us doing this podcast, if there's ever a um, MBV release, I'm sure it's something I, I, we would bring up or, or talk about. So thank you for coming with me on this journey, Paul. Of course. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of music. I really enjoyed listening to, um, especially like e even loveless. I was not like super duper familiar with. Um, yeah. Well, Will, why don't you ask me what we're doing next? Paul, what the heck are we doing next? Well, Will, we've done two big guitar bands, so we're going to do something a little different. Okay. So we are going to go through the catalog of British-American rapper Daniel Dumoulay, Daniel Dumeal, a.k.a. MF Doom, who is I, both uh, an incredible rapper and a really interesting personality, uh, rap game supervillain, as he was known, <laughs> um, passed away fairly recently in a, in a very kind of on-brand uh, uh, MF Doom kind of way. But uh, he, he had a very strong persona. He had a lot of amazing albums. Man, I hope when I die, linked. somebody's like, man, he really died in an on-brand <laughs> on on way. way. Um, really consistent to the end. It, this, and this will be the third series where there is, you know, because, you know, Skinny Fist is a 10 out of 10 album for me. Loveless is a 10 out of 10 album for you. 
and MF Doom's mad villainy is any given day I would tell you that that's my favorite depending on the day I would tell you that that's my favorite hip-hop record of all time is a 10 out of 10 I, I really really love it so we're gonna do MF Doom next nice I've started I've listened to the first yes episodes he, worth of stuff he he had a um he had an earlier hip-hop group very different than where he ended up uh, with his brother and then his brother passed away and that's kind of his hiatus story was between the passing away of his brother and his yeah, kind we're of really into the hiatuses in this uh, I know it's kind of reemergence as a real character so we're going to do the kind of early um KMD stuff when he was uh, Zev Love X yeah so coming soon mm podcast from mm, from the now I mean, we, we said, mm, podcast we've talked mm, about podcast. um pod villainy I wanted to pod throw out there good. Uh, Operation Podcast is probably the most straightforward way to do it. I like mm, podcast. Mm, podcast. I think that's the one we have to go with. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a similar thing to what you were talking about with uh, Isn't Anything, where, like, Mad Villainy is, like, the best one, but any given day if I'm listening to mm food, I might secretly be like, wait, is this my favorite? Is, is this good? <laughs> is this is this is this better? No, it's just as good. Like, is this better? I actually, um, I'm pretty interested in this because uh, this is the first, you know, series where I will, I will be flying completely blind, and I think I'm going to try purposefully to. I thought you were listening to. So, okay, have you listened to Mad Villainy all the way through? No, I listened okay. to like the first half of it, um, maybe uh, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, you we you commented to me on a couple of songs from it. Yeah, I meant I meant more. I'm not gonna read any of like the wiki stuff or like oh, follow okay, his. Okay. Like I, I want to be, because uh, I sort of knew the broad strokes of Godspeed to some extent. Yeah. Um. But uh, but I want to be a true uh, a passenger in, in the MF Doom. Right. We're, world we're gonna try to avoid what kind of hung over this series where like, all roads lead to lead to yeah loveless <laughs> lead to loveless. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard thing to escape with um, with my bloody Valentine. But I think MF Doom is is. I say Mad Villainy is definitely a peak, but it's it's less career defining for him. He he had a lot of output, and a lot of it is very good. He also he recorded under a lot of different names. So we'll we'll hear from MF Doom. We'll hear from Victor Vaughn. We'll hear from uh, King Ghidra, um, and a lot of other collaborations in there. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to to be talking about something a little different this time. I'm excited too. And I'm going to. Uh, you're not a big lyrics guy, <laughs> and so the the danger for the series is that I just repeat lines I think are clever to you, and you kind of sit there, <laughs> being like, "Yeah." I'm I'm kind of worried about that in general, just in the sense of like I listened to the first two albums and I was like, I like these, but I don't know I don't know enough to like talk about this. So we'll see how it goes. I'm yeah, curious it's, it's, it's going to be great. I, I'm going to have a. I'm going to have a best bars corner for each episode where I kind of throw out ah. my favorite bars. And so we kind of BBC. Keep it too. I've heard you search that often. That's like your, <laughs> that's like your thing. Best a best bars, bars zone. Mm-hmm. A good okay. bar zone. A good bar zone. Gotcha. Anyway, and, well, uh, let's take a little break and then let's uh, come back with our uh, quiz slash game for the day. Heck yeah, brother. All right. And we're back. So, Will, I was at a concert on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I kind of discussed, you know, they had some of the some of the local banter, um, coming out to to bombs over Baghdad, and then talking about. I don't think 
uh, Black Midi has a big differentiation between different U.S. states and didn't really know anything specific about Atlanta, except that Outcast is from there. Okay. And that's why they talked about cheeseburgers a lot. So, Will, here's oh. our game for today. And it's called, uh, it's called We Love It Here. Okay. And you are, you, you are a touring musician, Will Pachinski. Sorry, that's your full name. Well, you are a you are a touring musician, and I'm going to posit different cities that you've ended up in. Okay. And you're going to have to give me a little bit of local flavor banter for okay. each for each city you've come to. Okay. Have you, do you watch um Game Grumps ever? No. Well, then the story I was going to tell about a Japanese band coming to Baltimore and. Yelling about well, no, tell me, tell me that story. <laughs> tell me the story. <laughs> well, so was uh, this like Anamanaguchi or something? Uh, I don't know who the band was, but one of the uh, this is a story on Game Grumps with one of the guys. He said he was at a con in like the early two thousands, and it was a Japanese band that was like a big deal that they were um, touring, I guess, and they were in Baltimore uh, for like the Baltimore Comic Con. And I guess they came, the uh, the singer came out on stage and like he couldn't speak English very well, but he really yeah. wanted to like connect with the Baltimore people. So he was like, do you like it to crab? And then the crowd goes silent. And then he's just like, me too. There's a couple, there's like a video you can find of it online. That's very funny. He's like, do you eat the crab? I eat the crab. He's like trying to hype up the crowd in a very cool way, but it just comes off as like insane and very funny. So I always think about that. That's exactly the spirit. So, well, you're touring, you've got the world's biggest pavement cover band. Oh, wow. And you're you're selling out stadiums, which I don't think yeah. Pavement ever did. I don't think I don't but, think Pavement, the actual band, will sell out stadiums. No, exactly. So like, really doing Pavement well. never sold out Madison Square Garden, but somehow your Pavement cover band is selling out Madison Square Garden. Oh, you're in New York City. What's your? Give me some of your local banter. <clears throat> okay. Man, the water here. I'm going to steal some to take home so my bagels and pizza will be as good as <laughs> New York City bagels and pizza because everybody's always talking about how it's in the water. I love you. Madison Boo. Boo. <laughs> okay. Well, you failed to connect with New York. Oh, I really felt like that was like a local New York insight. You failed hey, to connect with New York. Fuck, ch- fuck Philly cheesesteaks. Chopped Woo! cheese for life. Yeah. Fuck Woo! Philly. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Now you're down in Philly. Oh, okay. You live close. To, uh, you live in Philly. I do. So what's what's your Philly local flavor? My Philly local flavor is the citywide. Let me Google it so I know that I'm saying the right thing. It is a. So so you're on stage in Philadelphia. You've I, taken out your this. phone. You've mm-hmm. taken out your phone to Google mm-hmm. the citywide. So here's what I'll say. Meet me. Meet me after. Uh, the show for a citywide special, which is Woo, a, can yeah. of, a, a can of PBR and a shot of Jim Beam for $3. Sweet. It's a thing you okay, can order so, at bars in Philly. I, th- I knew it was PBR, but I didn't know what the shot was. So, Will, you have won over the people of Philadelphia. Wow. And All right. I would, like, kick the shit out of a Santa Claus or whatever the fuck they do here. Um, they're, <laughs> they're, cra- they're crazy. They, like, put soap in bags and, like, beat mascots to death or something like that. It, it's, hard. It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird place. Okay, Will, you... Have found yourself your pavement cover band. You're kind of you're kind of off the big the big tour dates. You're yeah. down in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, this is like just like a a thing of my life. <laughs> you're down in Greenville, South Carolina. What's your okay. local flavor for Greenville, South Carolina? Who wants a pimento cheese and racism sandwich? Woo! Woo baby! 
Okay, Pomenogies and Racism. I love it. You have, uh, I think you've connected with kind of the like seven <laughs> hipsters of Greenville, South Carolina. Um, all right, let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, so, Will, you are in Rome, Italy. What are you oh. going to say to connect with the citizens of Rome? Hey, I, I started driving my tour bus in the wrong direction, but I ended up here because all roads lead here, baby! <laughs> You know, and then, well, I, th- I, I think don't know you why my like specific like hype voice is going into this place, but that, that's the voice that I'm using. And all roads lead to Rome, so I think that they would appreciate that. I I like what you've done. I I think I think Rome, I think Rome uh, bows to you. And then I would bow back and be like, "While I'm here, I do as you do, baby." <laughs> okay. I don't know all what right. this voice is. Will, you've you found yourself in Tehran, Iran. Oh, jeez. Um, they love pavement. They are ready for you. I don't, I'm trying to think of like a... I don't know if I have a Tehran specific. Uh, um, I'm trying to think you of know, like, Greats of Iranian Cinema? What, what you got oh, for yeah. me? Oh, yeah, there you go. Man, I was a real big fan of Ashgar Fahardi before he was recently found guilty of plagiarizing his most recent <laughs> film, A Hero, from a student in his documentary filmmaking class from 2017. Woo! Well, that was a little wordy. You did not win over the people. Oh. Of, you have been dragged off by the revolutionary By the Ayatollah Khomeini. Oh, no. All right. And finally, yeah. more, more flavor from your life. You are in. Let me pull up the map. Will, yeah. Last last spot on your tour. You have found yourself in Qinhuangdao, China. It's pretty good. And uh, what's your what's 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 your local flavor for them? Hmm. Well, so I, when I when I was in China, and uh, Charlie, who is also our friend who lives in China, he taught me some slang when I was uh, there at this uh, niopi, which I think means like cow's pussy. <laughs> And it's okay. meant to mean like it's meant to mean like <laughs> something's the tits. Like if it's like really it's like an edgy way like, of saying, like, like instead this, of the bees like this knees, fucking rock. Yeah. It's the, it's like, the cloud. Oh, the this is the cow's pussy. pussy. <laughs> so Woo! I think I would hit him with some with some yo be, yo be and then everybody's like, Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay, you yeah, you won over the Chinese people. Yeah. Uh no, sorry. I would wrong. make the PLA, sure to say the, that the, Taiwan the... was not a separate country. <laughs> <laughs> I would make sure to I am specify deeply sorry. Our listeners don't know. We talked about John Cena's apology to Chinese people for like 15 (laughs) minutes before the episode. For for admitting that Taiwan was going to be the first country to see Fast and Furious 9. (laughs) Like, no, no, they weren't. Mainland China only. (laughs) I'm very sorry. The Chinese protectorate of Taiwan. I think you you mostly won over people. You did a good job at local flavor. Well, thank you. All right. So uh, next episode, we're going to do our, we're going to kind of roll right into our first uh, episode. So if you want to listen to, um, one moment. Um, if you want to listen to available on Spotify, the first two KMD albums, which are Mr. Hood and Black Bastards Deluxe Edition. Uh, that's what we'll be doing next episode. Exciting. All right. And um, as always, listeners, now, that you're, what I, call you're what I call a, cow a real cow's pussy. pussy. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page. <laughs> Bye. Bye.